Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to a very special edition of Spin the Rally Pod, brought to you by Dirtfish.com. Uh, listen, we've been very fortunate over the last few weeks to have as guests on Spin the Rally Pod some of the uh, well, the biggest names in rallying. Now, if you talk about photography and the biggest names in rallying photography, a man very close to the top of that list, if not at the top of that list, is Colin McMaster, and I'm very pleased to be joined today, socially distanced, by the man himself, Colin. Uh, strange times for everyone, but how are you doing? Oh, uh, how am I doing? Difficult to say. Uh, some days are better than others, but in general, really, really good. Uh, nice, thanks. Lovely introduction. <laughs> it's very kind of you. Fully And, you know, how am I doing? I, the one thing I'm not doing is photography. Right. Uh, which, after 30 years of uh, earning a living from a camera, is quite, it's quite a novelty for me. That's quite interesting, Cole, because you do live in a gorgeous part of the world, in Oxfordshire. You, you never take your camera out with you on little walks with the kids. and is, Does that interest you or, or not? Oh, you know what? So many people over the years say to me, what camera should I buy? What camera should I buy? You know, and I, I've got the stock answer now, is that buy the biggest camera you're prepared to carry, because if it's too big, you won't take it anywhere and you'll never, ever use it. And it's kind of superseded now because the the phone in your pocket has typically a very, very good camera. And that's, you know, that's what I tend to use more than anything else. No, but tell me, Cole, I did see some of your family pictures from your holiday last year. I think you had a, a rather lovely family holiday. Was it last year or the year before you went to South Africa? Uh, or to fortunate Africa. to get away what, what, what quite a lot. Camera? So. You took a... A nice little camera on holiday. Didn't yeah. you? you took a little compact camera. What was that? Can you remember? Well, so many people have been telling me about mirrorless. Must go mirrorless. Must go mirrorless. And uh, I've quite a Luddite. And still, uh, when I work, I use uh, SLR Canon equipment. But I bought a mirrorless uh, system. Just two lenses, two fixed lenses, a wide angle and a standard lens. And blow me, it was fantastic. The pictures from this little Sony, really, really good. Uh, a fraction of the size, a fraction of the weight, and something comfortable to carry around everywhere. So yeah, that's, yeah, there you uh, go. Go, you know. But uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not a techie. I'm not. Uh, I really am not into camera tech at all. Right. I uh, try and make my kit last a long time. And, uh, rallying's not obviously the ideal environment for that. It takes quite a battering, but uh, I don't rush out to buy the latest camera, the latest lens. I don't think it makes you a better photographer, to be honest. That's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I suppose being a great photographer, if you had to put your percentages on the kit, the skill, the intuition, 
you're the ability to see a good picture. You know, the majority of it, yeah, the kit is important, but the most important thing is to be able to recognise, I suppose, a good picture, to have the skill to know when the right time is. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I often say this as well, you know, what makes a good rally picture? For me, a good rally picture works without the car, which is a little bit of a luxury given that uh, at McLean we make a calendar every year, which is a wide landscape panoramic calendar. And, uh, you know, we've kind of formed a reputation over the years for landscape photography. It's a, it's a form of photography I like to do anyway. So if I can find a nice landscape, a scene, foreground, background, all these things are important. And then, push you add a rally car to it. It's Sensational, isn't yeah. it? That's interesting because and we'll come on to how, how the partnership, McLean is, is, is an iconic name in rally photography. Uh, and in some ways, it's a slightly unusual partnership, that kind of Anglo-German you don't see too many Anglo-German <laughs> setups, that's for sure. But we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit, because where I'd like to start, Cole... But just uh, just to butt in there, so Reinhard Klein is the least German <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> he's not German. I think he's, I think he's probably African. He's probably... Yeah. I think he's Kenyan. I think, I think he's spirits in Africa, isn't yeah, it, for his sure? His heart is, for sure. His heart, you know. And, oh, let's talk about that. I, I yeah. want to take you back, Cole, yeah. to your early days, but let's talk about that, because you mentioned, you know, the, the calendars and the great great landscapes and you know that's really where Reinhard yeah. really differentiated himself from other photographers they were all close up lots of dust lots of you know messy cars all the rest where he would go onto a mountain top and that incredible picture yeah. from Africa with the the Maasai warriors and the car yeah the car is there you can see the, the the dust trail you can just about pick out the car but the important thing was the setting and that's what he's known for isn't it yeah well you know, just to give you the whole picture here, that you know, Reinhard's my best friend. You know, he's my business partner, but he's also he's he's my hero, a photographic hero. I I grew up uh, in a family that was motorsport was all around. My my father was a bike rider. My grandfather worked in motorsport, and so we had the magazines. You know, as a kid in the eighties, there was a lot of uh, visual magazines and Grand Prix International. I remember like. 1980s it was formula one was turbo and glamorous and exciting and you got these magazines and then after the f1 you'd see the the rally pictures and i remember looking at these pictures thinking wow <laughs> that's something special and oh look little byline reinhard klein photo reinhard klein photo reinhard klein and you know to meet him was something and then to eventually form a company with him and to work with him it's uh, i wouldn't change any of that and you know you could talk so long to Reinhard about how he started and uh, he's, you know, he started in the 70s his first rallies he hitchhiked to the Monte Carlo rally I from Germany telling me this story yeah he, he, yeah he hitchhiked I think he said he had the equivalent of 30 euros in his pocket that's right that's right Cause he, he, I think this year was something like was it was that 1970 because it was his 50th yeah, Monte this year I think wasn't it or 50 he, years or 50 no it years, couldn't be no. it was incredible because he, he told me exactly the same story he set out he thought well 30 euros or yeah. Yeah, however many Deutschmarks that was back in the day so I, I think <laughs> it was I can't remember the year I think it was 77 right because okay. it's isn't it uh, 40 years of the world championship was that oh, oh, it's I kind of know. terrible I I, I for you listeners, I have to confess, I've been blessed with the world's worst memory for dates. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologise in advance. Ah, uh, yeah, between but, the uh, two of us, we could be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, 
pictures, stages. I'm good on stages, just uh, dates. I'm absolutely hopeless. Right. But no, just to finish that off, right. I mean, Reinhard, after Monty, went to Rally Sweden uh, with his girlfriend, now wife, in a Volkswagen Beetle from Germany. Uh, that was the hotel. A Volkswagen Beetle's air-cooled. It doesn't Jeez. have a heater. Yeah. <laughs> so they slept They slept in a Beetle in Sweden in February. Just incredible. We'll, we'll come on to that relationship call between, between you and Reinhard a little later on. But let, let's go back. Let's go back to your, your early days. And again, you've hinted at a motorsport family. Yeah. But what came first for you? If you go back to your oh, teenage years, was it motorsport or was it photography? And how did the photographic passion develop with you well I, I grew up in a house where there was a copy of i think the two magazines came every week one was motor uh which was the car industry my father worked in the car industry uh for some rather nice firms at fiat and alfa romeo and uh there's always car magazines around and uh, autosport was another one that we'd see and uh, i remember we'd get in the car often july we'd drive we lived in scotland uh near glasgow We'd drive down to Brands Hatch. Uh, 76, I saw the British Grand Prix, uh, the famous one, which uh, Hunt Louder. And we drove down from Scotland to go and see that. So, yeah, motorsport was there. You know, Fiat sent the works cars to the 78 Scottish Rally. No, I was taken there with my dad, you know. So, so but, but at what point did you think, actually, actually, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to go and be a business executive? Although you are in some ways, you're a bit of a captain of industry. Um, but uh, you know, what point I, did I you think? I hate that. I absolutely. I, I didn't get into this to be a manager. You yeah, know? exactly. So, but at what point did you think I'm? I want to make a living out of this. And then, at what point did you realise yeah. I'm good enough to make a living out of this? Well, it's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. It was when I was eleven. I had uh, my eleventh birthday present for my parents was a camera. It was a little. Uh, took 110 film, which was a horrible, horrible format with a plastic cartridge with two little reels, and you uh, you loaded the cartridge into this camera. I think it was fixed focus, fixed everything. You couldn't change anything on it. And uh, But it, there was a passion. There was suddenly, you could take your pictures, and then you had to post them. You posted your little cartridge when you finished. 24 exposures, sent it off in the mail. 28 days later, you got your pictures back. And But, it, you know, it was addictive for me. And then that became, you know, I was upgraded. I got Olympus Trip 35. I remember that was my next camera. Some, I must have been about 13, 14 then. And so that was 35 mil film. And a, a, a lens, it had a 2.8 lens. It was basically the world's first compact camera. David Bailey, the famous, famous fashion photographer, he had a, he ran the advertising for them on oh, television. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember was, that in the, the 80s, early 80s. Yeah, you had to have the Olympus Trip yeah, 35, yeah. and I did, and that's when things really started to take off. So I, I was motorsport was in the background, but photography was my hobby, it was my passion. Mm. Because it says a little bit tongue cheek, but my mum was absolutely desperate that I didn't get into bikes. Right. Uh, I'm a dad, you right. know, too many bad stories to right. tell you about. But my dad competed on bikes. My grandfather, I said before, he was. Uh, sports administrator he was a journalist but he was on the the fim which is the bike equivalent yeah. of the fia he was the irish delegate he ran the northwest 200 part of the committee there and he was involved with the isle of man tt races so road racing was very much you know i'm irish and that's part of the culture there but you know my parents did all they could to get me away from that wow so and they didn't discourage 
your photographic aspirations. You know, a lot of parents would, and I'm sure you must have heard it, you know, this isn't a proper job. You're never going to make a living from this. Okay. You must have heard that more than once from your parents. Yeah, but just to go back to Reinhard, his, his father said to him, his, his father was a teacher and his father's father was a teacher and all they wanted was for Reinhard to be a teacher. And he said to Reinhard, Reinhard Sr., said, uh, yeah, don't take pictures for a living. You will never be able to afford a Ferrari. <laughs> and uh, that became the biggest incentive ever. Yeah, yeah, of course for, it would. For Reinhard, and uh, yeah. so as soon as he could afford a Ferrari, he bought one. <laughs> well, he's got one, yeah. six out of four now, he's got yeah, all sorts he's of lovely cars, hasn't he? So, uh, but, back to my, my story changed dramatically in uh, 95. 95, 80. I told you I'm bad at dates. 85. So bad on dates. How old are you in 85? Oh, I'd like to say I was, I was about eight. What, what year were you born? Minus what year? Uh, depends who's asking. So I'm, I'm 70. You're not. For, we're about the same age. Aren't yeah, we? we're more or less the same. Yeah. I, I celebrated uh, turning 50 yeah. last November. Yeah, no, so. it just passed me by. I didn't celebrate it. But yeah, I know yeah. what you mean, Cole. Uh, so yeah. 1985, you're 15, 16. Yeah. What um, happened? We emigrated as a family to South Africa. And uh, oh, you travelled a lot. From yeah, Ireland so to but Scotland, I, yeah, South Africa. So we uh, we moved to South Africa, and of course, as a fifteen-year-old, I went to school in South Africa. They, they had an issue with me at school because uh, I think it was three, four hours a week. You had to do Afrikaans, and I didn't speak a word of Afrikaans. I do. <laughs> so try this one. Pass up ver de hond. <laughs> Something about the dog. Yeah, watch uh, out for the dog. Watch out for the dog. That's all I know in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carl. <laughs> so, what do we do with this guy? He's got, uh, you know, he's, we don't know how long he's going to be at the school for. There's no point in starting him with Afrikaans. So, I convinced them. Uh, it was quite a posh school, actually. Was a, uh, I was a day boy at a boarding school in the middle of Johannesburg. I convinced them to let me do photography and to build a dark room in the school. Wow. Which uh, it was a lovely old school as well, it was St John's College in uh, Johannesburg. It was an old, uh, almost like a how would you describe it? Like a castle church town. Harry Potter like. Very Some much. Was, I went to Hogwarts. Was. I went to yeah, Hogwarts. Yeah, I was going to say they had those big dining rooms yeah. where you all sat along the big long tables. And it, fortunately, it was it was only boys, so you know we were all Harry Potters and Malfoys, weren't they? <laughs> but anyway, I uh, there was a, a tower at this school with uh, no windows. So a circular tower right at the top and it was the ideal thing. It had, and ironically, it had plumbing, had a sink in there. So this was, you couldn't wish for a better darkroom. And uh, I went to this school, knew nobody. I was the boy that disappeared into a darkroom for four <laughs> hours a week. However, that made me super popular because uh, you could put a sign outside saying, do not disturb. So basically, I was the smoke hub. <laughs> all, the, all the smokers became my mates because I had the key to the darkroom. All the cool kids in those days. <laughs> yeah, so they would all come and ask me for the key so they could go and have a cigarette. Right, right. So... Uh, so that was that was that was a big step forward, as you see. Yeah, there, but yeah. there was another side to the South Africa thing where my father went there. He was working for Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo there had a factory. They used to build cars in South Africa, very nice ones actually. The Sud, GTV. They they did do the Sud, but they, the, it was the GTV that they was. Oh, they in were the eighties, GTV was. Yeah. My my dad had two in the eighties. Uh, Beautiful cars, two white ones. There was the, you could have the two point five yeah. V six. That that was everywhere. GTV six, they called it. Didn't yeah. They? That was a heck of a car. But in South Africa, because of the touring car racing was quite popular, right. they made a homologation special, which was a three liter oh. V six. Wow. Yeah, and we, we that was the car. We had one of those. Uh, anyway, that 
dig- we, <laughs> we digress. But Alfa Romeo was a. It was based at a place called Midrand, which is it, Midrand gets its name because it's halfway between Johannesburg and Pretoria, okay. which is also roughly where Kyle Army is. So. During the school holidays, which actually was before I even went to the school there, because I arrived there, school holidays being uh, Southern Hemisphere, there was uh, the winter in the Northern Hemisphere, so had all this time. During that time, the Formula One teams, Brabham and McLaren in particular, they would do their winter testing right. at Kyle Army. Right. So for something to do, my dad would drop me off at Kyle Army, and I'd spend the day there. Taking pictures? Pick, yeah, taking pictures. Wow. Uh, have you still some of those pictures? Uh, I could show you. Yeah, I have actually. Wow. Yeah. There'd be people like, you'd go into pit lane, and there'd be Gordon Murray in a pair of shorts <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> and a Brabham, I think there was, back then it would have been a BT53, BT54, one of the best cars ever. Used to see that I must have seen more laps of that car than anyone before the first Grand Prix of the season. Wow. So or you're taking take, more you're pictures, taking pictures of it. Yeah, you're taking pictures. And, and, and someone's seen these pictures and thought, oh, this kid's got better talent. Oh, you're oh. getting ahead of yourself again. Oh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, uh, after a year in South Africa, it was quite clear that uh, the education thing, I needed to do O-levels and A-levels because there is a brain in there. Doing quite well. So I was basically, my sister and I, she's a couple of years older than me, Jill, her name is, uh, were, were allowed to return to the UK but my parents stayed overseas and uh, I went to a boarding school and my sister she hadn't f- she got a job actually in London and uh, so my folks set her up with an apartment in uh, in London and she was my guardian right. anyway so school I did two and a half years of school what posh school did you go to go? Oh, it was uh, Shiplake College right. in Henley-on-Thames. And I... <laughs> the day, the, exactly. <laughs> but it it was a great place, actually. I, I haven't been back since the day I left until I was due you to go... You invited back. You're an alumni. You're, you're, you're a, you know, a distinguished so, people. believe it or not, I got, a, I got an email about three months ago. Would I come back and talk to the sixth formers? Wow. And the photo students and... Uh, May the 12th, we were supposed to do that. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So that would have been my return. Uh, and they said, by the way, did you know that another famous alumni was uh, Max Chilton? Right. <laughs> I didn't know any right. of this at all. Right. Funnily enough, uh, we're talking here close to where I live, uh, which yeah. is Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at the time when I was at that school, no one had ever been to Oxford. Right. Right. And uh, I could have been the first, but I didn't. I didn't go. No, I, I went uh, to Bath University. Right. So come on, let's, let's see what, how the, the progression of the exactly. photographic career. So I wanted to get taking pictures of the racing cars. That's you know, that's what I really wanted to do. And uh, when you're a student, you've got an awful lot of time off and time down downtime. And uh, I was driving to places like Silverstone, Brandsout, wherever I could go, Thruxton, all these UK racing circuits. Uh, I lent on my contacts in Ireland with my grandfather he's passed away by then but he through using his name I was able to contact places like the Belfast Telegraph Carsport magazine uh, and persuade them to pay me to photograph the Irish drivers and at that time you had people like Eddie Irvine who were coming through doing Formula Ford yeah. and then Formula 3 so Real characters. so as a student I was getting I don't know, fifty pounds, hundred pounds a weekend. So, what what was called your very first? Can you remember the first photo that you got paid for and went, 
Well, for taking a picture, was there one particular picture that you remember? Yeah, I do actually, because it wasn't just taking the pictures. I'd write a little report. Wow! And there was an Irish driver, Bernard Dolan, who was in Formula Vauxhall Lotus. So I, I think, I ended up being his PR man, <laughs> aged. I don't know, <laughs> seventeen. But I was because I would do this of photos of words, <laughs> and they would be published in Car Sport magazine. Uh, I never, I never saw the Belfast Telegraph, but I used to make uh, prints, black and white prints, and mail them. And I get a check every so often. Wow, <laughs> so it was great. But that's a great line, call. I think <laughs> he used to be his PR man. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing it now. Was, it was a different. It was a different I wonder if he world, remembers me. It was a di- so we're talking. We're talking now late 80s, early 90s. Late, uh, yeah. late 80s. I told probably. you, dates. Yeah. No, this would have been... 17 or 18 years old. Uh, this would be 88. 88. Yeah. Good year that was. 88. Oh. So... Uh, uh, tears what, for fears. Oh, yeah. A little bit of aha as well at that time. But at, at this time, at, at this time, I, w- I would meet the other photographers. Right. All the British uh, photographers. And there was a couple that, you know, really made good friendships with. And one guy, Peter Fox, you should name these guys. It was Darren Heath. And Peter Fox, and uh, we kind of got known as like the Brat Pack at the time, and uh, some great stories to tell with those guys. But because it was quite glamorous, I would have thought. You know, a lot of your your friends and your you know, your contemporaries were probably going to university and doing serious jobs. Mate, uh, Don- Donington Park in the mud <laughs> in March isn't particularly glamorous, right? But, uh, no, but it was. Uh, you'd see these guys at the weekend, and Peter Fox, Foxy. He was really good to me. He said, you know, you're a student, you know, you've got, I don't know, six weeks off in the summer. Come and talk to my boss. And uh, I did. And uh, ironically, where we're talking now, his bo- that was two miles, less than two miles from here, was a company called Words and Pictures. And that was the agency that I ended up joining. But I worked for them for the summers, right. a couple of summers as a student. And back then they had a they had a studio and the dark room was the big thing and I knew you had to print black and white and they they taught me colour so I used to work in the dark room go and do things like touring cars and F three during the so vacations. It, so you know it's clear there's a circuit racing yeah. back. Oh yeah. All got yeah, yeah. So let's move you on then, Cole, to the realization that no, I want to go rally. Yeah. Well, I this is all rally. part of the where story did, because I happen? I left university. I got a full time job. At words and pictures. Just, we're sitting in a public place, socially yep. distanced, and it's a rather lovely day. And Colin, look, look at those clouds. They are does, absolutely does that not make stunning. Make you want to take a picture. It, it makes does. Me want to take a picture. They look like uh, squid. Squid, or, or I thought maybe they look a bit like slightly abstract ferns, in some way. <laughs> I, I don't know. Scotch ferns. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> the uh, I was now as full time employed, and there must have been three three photographers there and a studio guy. And my career was absolutely taken off. That uh, I was doing, I did a Formula One test at the end of '92. Paul Ricard, or the start of '93, went really well. It was uh, down in the south of France. There was snow-capped mountains, and I just made it look quite nice. I was really pleased with that. And then I ended up on the Grand Prix circuit so, so, for so the words people, and pictures. People were, were were asking for you at this point. Was that, when <sighs> you no, 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 so, no. So, but you, you were that. what you were keeping the bosses happy by taking yeah. the pictures, or so, that's all you okay. could do. You know, yeah. there were there were three well-known agencies in the UK you could go and join if you're fortunate enough, and I happened to join one of them, right. and it's like, and they taught me a lot, and from there I was. Uh, what happened next? Somehow the agency got a, a deal to photograph. No, no, they, 
I know exactly now I remember. Uh, we're, we're quite close to Banbury. And the PR girl for Subaru at the time, Belinda Jellett, she lived at the edge of the Cotswolds. And her drive to work took her past words and pictures where I was working. And one day in there, there was a knock on the door and it was Belinda Jellett. Uh, she wanted to talk to the boss. They'd just signed a rally driver called Colin McRae and they would like to have some studio photos done of Colin McRae. Could we do that? And that was where it all started because uh, about a week or two later, Colin came with a makeup artist and he was uncomfortable as all hell. He, <laughs> you could tell this was not his yeah. environment. Uh, but that shoot went really well. I was involved somehow. I can't fully remember. And uh, they were at the time, they were sponsored by one tobacco company. And they Rothmans. were changing, yeah, so they were Rothmans, and they were changing to 555. Right, right. But not for the World Rally Championship. This was for Asia Pacific. That's right. 555 was, I, I know a little bit about yeah. it. Yeah. for them. It was it's a Chinese brand. Exactly. So that's so why there was so much focus in that area, I'd have thought. So quite quickly, through Words and Pictures, the agency, the opportunity came to, for one of us to go and do Asia Pacific rallying. And I jumped at the chance. And this was like, it was like the, boy been it was it, how can you say it's the golden ticket to the chocolate factory yeah. if belinda hadn't knocked on the door yeah. if uh, that first shoot hadn't gone well you know the next thing i knew i was in uh, new zealand it's amazing and how incidents like that small things yeah you know can shape your life not just your career yeah it can completely shape your life as you say if she'd chosen one of the other three agencies you may still yeah you know, who knows what you might have been doing yeah but of course the you know, I only ever wanted to do racing, and I suddenly I was doing the Formula One season. I was yeah. doing all the races, and then I had the chance to do the Asia Pacific, and I was still doing the touring cars. Mm. And this was going on for quite some time. And <laughs> as a little aside, uh, Belinda's boyfriend was a young Brit called Richard Burns, and that's how I met Burnsy through uh, Belinda. And Burnsy lived at home with his parents. Uh, and now he got the big contract with Subaru for the British Rally Championship. He had to move out, you know, he needed somewhere to live. So Belinda suggested to myself and my girlfriend at the time, why don't we all get a house together? Which we did, which was uh, in the Cotswolds. Yeah. Really oh. nice. It was, she, Belinda basically had nice taste, so she found a really nice big house. <laughs> 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 so needed someone to split the rent. Yeah. And that, that, so that's always better to leave these things to. The girls, the yeah. girls, that might sound sexist. I'm really sorry, but it's true. It is true. But Burnsy was the new kid on the block for Subaru, and uh, he was doing the Asia Pacific Championship, and so was I. But, you know, he'd come back and do whatever, and I'd end up going, I'd come back, down tools, go, you know what it's like, you'd do a Formula One race, and then the next weekend you'd do a touring car race. And wow. at the end of the year, when you do your accounts, you think, why have I just spent £2,500 parking a car at Heathrow Airport? this year you know it was way too much and i was traveling 250 days in a year wow. so something had to give and uh i'd love to say you know i said that's it you know i'm stopping the racing i'm doing rallying but it, at the same time this was very very early 96 there was a brand new formula one magazine coming along called f1 racing mm. and uh, i was interviewed for a full-time job with f1 racing along with another photographer called Darren Heath, who I mentioned earlier. Darren's a good friend of mine. And I think we were both given sort of an assignment to do, and the, the editors and the, the 
magazine publisher that looked at us both, spoke to us both. And thankfully, they chose Darren. <laughs> that was the best thing ever because they chose the best Formula One photographer possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the kick I needed yeah. to go and yeah. stop yeah. doing racing and do rallying. So that that was early 96. I left the company I was working for, Words and Pictures, 96, and basically worked for Subaru. On, wow. And that, uh, the door had opened by then. We were already doing Asia-Pacific World Championship. Colin was world champion. So you're building a bit of a reputation for yourself within rallying at this point. People yeah, know but who Colin McMaster is. Well, going back to the Grand Prix International magazine the, from the 80s, I, I knew Reinhardt, but I'd never met him. And then on, I think it was the RAC rally in something like 94. I remember getting in someone's way at a stop control. <laughs> <laughs> I know a bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> Easy so, to do call, don't worry. Yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was a night of somewhere. It must have been somewhere in the, up in the Lake District at night time. And uh, I got on this, this guy. He didn't say anything to me. He just grumbled and moved on. And someone said to uh, another guy, Bob McCaffrey, said to me, he said, you know, you've just got in Reinhardt's way. I said, what do you mean? He said, that was Reinhard Klein who's just huffed off now. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, no, how, how could you be so stupid? You, you've upset your hero. Oh, wow. But so so you're, you're 96, you're, yeah. you're doing Asia Pacific. You've decided, or it's been decided for you, you're not going into circuit racing full time. Yeah. You are now pretty much established within the rally community as the young go-to photographer. I was the youngest. It, Absolutely it, youngest. It, 28, 29 years old, it would still be very, very young. Uh, 24, 25. <laughs> well, yeah, round about, mid-20s. Um, tell us then about how Reinhard Klein goes from being, as you say, your, uh, your idol to, to your business partner. Well, I said at the start, I'm not a techie, but that's a bit of a lie because the whole photographic uh, industry was going through a revolution. Digital was coming. Uh, we didn't know it at the time, but at this time, what we were doing was we were taking photos on color negative film and color slide film. And uh, what you would have to do you, with your color negatives, you'd have to process that film. And you had to, uh, something the size of a, an attache case would be a scanner inside there. And you'd have all your chemical pots and your, your hair dryer to dry your film. And you'd, you'd basically process your own color negatives in the hotel normally and uh, scan through this digital scan. Then you'd have to hook it up to the hotel telephone. That was an absolute nightmare. I could <laughs> tell you some stories about that. But uh, So this guy, Bob McCaffrey, was by far the leader in the field of this. You know, he was brilliant. He, uh, he used to be able to bare wire a telephone, get the, get the loose connections and crocodile clips. Every, you name it, he had it done. And, <laughs> with 56K dial-up modems, probably doesn't mean anything to most of the people listening here, but boy, they were slow. You know, one picture was something like five minutes. To slow, but absolutely cutting edge oh, in yeah, those days. Yeah. The sound of one of those modems connecting <laughs> from a hotel. You had to first make sure that reception didn't butt in. <laughs> <laughs> Housekeeping. <laughs> anyway, the, so Bob was the, uh, I keep saying digital, but it wasn't invented then. This was pre-digital. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he, it's not just the process. It was actually the taking of the pictures in those days. Yes. You, know, so, you had to work everything out yourself and then do everything yourself in the evening in terms of sending and developing. So Bob What Bob's, did you call that? Uh, 
not analog isn't the right word either well i think it was because you digitized a picture right but it was of course you did you called it by the name of the scanner leafax was a popular one leafax was about 15 kilos in a big steel box it's a terrible thing uh but no you just called it whatever the scanner was called and bob was working for lat photographic who you know is still a top top agency in the world and there. That was mo- back then. They were Motorsport News MN. Mm-hmm. That w- you know, so he he went to all the rallies for MN and Ford as a client. Reinhard was a Toyota man by now. And, uh, he was one of the few that could walk straight into the factory in Cologne without a pass or anything. No one would ever stop him. He he was Mr. Toyota with a camera. And uh, as you've alluded to in other podcasts, which I've. L- avidly listened to excellent dirt fish podcast that uh, things were about to change for toyota in 96 we didn't know at the time but while i was befriending reinhard and bob was the uh, the go-between uh he came up with this idea that we would pool resources i had subaru as a contract bob had ford and reinhard had toyota plus the name but we needed a name and a former boss of yours or connection of yours, we, ironically, we were talking about him today, Hugh Chambers. He's now the, uh, what's his position He's at Motorsport the, uh, UK? Chief Executive of Motorsport UK. Yeah, okay. I think so that's his position. Well, he Talked to him this morning, strangely yeah. enough. So he was, uh, he was the commercial director at ProDrive. So basically, he was my boss at uh, Subaru. And uh, he was one of the original partners at ProDrive, wasn't he? No, share. no, no. I think he, he did. I think he had a he, share for a I, while. When he came in, I think he did had Did he come it. in? Okay. He, he came okay. in and was given a share. Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. Lovely man. Yeah. Uh, his wife, fantastic photographer. Beautiful. An artist. Elizabeth Hoff, fantastic yeah. portrait yeah. photographer. Yeah. Uh, Hugh came up with the name McCline. Did he really? Yeah. I mean, we I obviously wanted that. it at Klein Master, but that was never going to work. No, no. It was Hugh. He was. He came so up the with the name. So there's, in the Sheraton Hotel in Australia. Because there's Colin McMaster, the Mick. There's... Bob McCaffrey, and there's Reinhard Klein. Yeah, exactly. So is that, is that basically how it came about? Yep, totally. That was uh, down to Hugh Chambers came up with the name, uh, and, he, you and know, a legend was born. Yeah, and he didn't charge us for it for the name. <laughs> the guy that did the logo yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the that was the end of '96, and I th- we we arranged everything. We talked it through the principal in Australia '96. And I think something like two weeks later, Toyota were banned <laughs> or kicked out. Mm-hmm. It was all about to turn a bit sticky. Mm. And, uh, but we, we went ahead. Uh, I remember going to Cologne in December. Mm. Oh, that's right. There was, uh, I'd broken my leg or something. I'd, uh, I injured my leg. I couldn't do the RAC, which was not part of the world championship. It was for two liters. Remember they were rotating yeah, rallies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it was. I went to Cologne on a pair of crutches, and the Christmas market in Cologne. There's a photograph of Bob Reinhard and myself, and basically that's when we made the partnership because we went Amazing. from the because the bank, the the Kreispakasse Bank in Cologne. That was where we yeah. went and basically opened an account. That's incredible. So that we that's had that's to open an account because the first first thing we bought pretty much was a digital camera, twenty seven thousand Deutschmarks. Huge amount of money. Yeah, but that was twelve thousand pounds back then. Jeez. Jeez, and then as you say, they kept you know every six months you'd have to spend another twelve thousand if you wanted to keep up with it. But on that, I mean, that really was quite a quite a rapid prog- progression for you from uh, taking Colin McRae's portrait to to being part of what then was the biggest agency, probably still is, 
uh, certainly the most iconic agency in rallying. It was, it was, you know, fair to say a meteoric rise. Well, we we set out from day one to offer clients a service, and it was tailored around the fact that we could offer this digital service, which no one else could. Right. So, websites were coming, the internet had been invented, uh, people needed pictures quickly so we could do that element of it. Reinhard was still doing his beautiful landscapes, uh, publishing calendars. We started publishing more and more as well. That was another thing. And, and you know, Reinhard is absolutely passionate, particularly about the, the older days. So he was busy buying up old archives and digitizing those. So suddenly, from going from being a photographer, more of a business of publishing, archiving, and on-event photography, so it was, you know, in terms of the coming together of the talents, yeah, it was fortuitous in terms of timing, in terms of the, the progress of technology and recognising the way technology. So it was a lot of it, I suppose, was to do with right time, right place, right people. Uh, you know, <laughs> could, could have done with Toyotas <laughs> sticking around. <laughs> That's true. But having said that, they entered uh, random rallies with the Celica while they were still... They, w they went away, didn't they, they, they to they make the customers, Corona? There were customers, weren't there? There were a yeah. lot of customers around. I remember George saying, George Donaldson, who yeah. was the uh, team manager at the time, saying they did go to the Safari that year, uh, but purely to support. I think it was Duncanson, was it, in, in a, a, a Yeah, I did that, really. yeah. Uh, and a couple of others, but yeah. That was interesting I had a few problems time. with George in the early days. I can imagine. I think but a few uh, people, it's fair to say. <laughs> and George, if you're listening, I never stood on the roof <laughs> of that car in, <laughs> in Kenya. And what else? I did not hold a sump guard or sump in New Zealand on a lone Toyota. Oh dear! Yeah, I know. There's a few stories I'm sure to tell there. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. We really could make a good hour, two hours out of this because we haven't really even touched on your view on what makes a good photographer and 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 talking about your your best photographic memories. And we haven't talked about. Uh, Richard Burns but uh, we will you know what we're going we're going to do a second episode of this at some point we'll save that for later on in the year um but it you know is, I, I I can't stand box sets on TV well, this is going this to be is, a box set because, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that but, no, but can we not just uh, belt through it you're only 27 28 years old and it's taken <laughs> let me check 40 minutes to get to that point and what we really wanted to yeah. tell the excuse for coming down and talking to you today call was Rally Portugal week and we're obviously yeah. featuring Rally Portugal heavily on dirtfish.com. Now, um, you know, 2001, so you've been a, a partnership mm. with Reinhard and, and Bob for how many years now? Four or five years now. Uh, you went to Portugal, and 2001 Rally Portugal is remembered really for one thing, uh, and one yeah, thing only, and that was the weather. You, you've done however many hundreds of rallies. That one was possibly, possibly the most challenging? I mean, you can always pick out I remember such and such a stage where it rained or it was so cold in Norway that one year or whatever, you know, just certain things. But this was nonstop, 2001. And, you know, just to preface it, it was a national disaster and it had been raining in the north of Portugal since January. I think we went there in March. Wow. And, you know, it was a national disaster. People lost their lives and bridges were washed or buses, was, I think a bus was washed off a bridge the week before the rally so to put it into context you know rec in recent times recent years in such a situation that rally would never have run mm. but it did and uh, I think there was a little bit of a let off with the rain for a, f a few days before but absolutely it chucked it down like mad and 
that year was the first year we'd started working with a brand new magazine. See, Rallying had, had seven manufacturers mm. at that time. David Richards took over the commercial rights, the ISC, International Sports World Communicators. That's right, yeah. Yep, that was all happening. Mm. Money was, there was being put into the sport to put it on television. It was on Channel 4 in the UK and, you know, the the whole format of broadcasting rallies was changing and at the same time they launched a magazine called Rally XS and uh, fortunately we got the, the deal to be the photographic suppliers, McCliners, the for Rally XS. And we had, Portugal was the third round that year, we had uh, Monte Carlo in Sweden. And of course, new magazine, new ideas. This magazine was all about the glamour. You've got to have glamour, glamour of rallying. That's right, I remember that. Oh. Yeah, I remember it turning off on my desk at VAT. Yeah, yeah. I so remember seeing it in WH Smith on the shelves as well. It was, you know, it was fairly well distributed. Yeah, it was a, it was a bi-monthly magazine. Yeah. So yeah. there was plenty of time to do nice features and plans. It's kind of cross between sport and lifestyle wasn't yeah. it they, they tried to make it a little more appealing than purely to yeah. the rally fan but the publishers had never been to a rally <laughs> and you know, everything was going what, what was what his name remind me of his name tim tim bully tim bully fantastic tim yeah. bully yeah what a lovely guay from yeah. hay, hay market exactly um, but he was under but pressure from his lot. bosses to a lot of to, rallying you lot about glam. publishing not a lot about rallying sorry <laughs> tim if you're listening <laughs> so tim's uh, remit was to make this glamorous magazine and the first two rounds we did was Monte Carlo in Sweden and it might sound glamorous but when you're up in the you know, the mountain of well, the Alps can be minus temperatures yeah. there's not an awful lot of glamour there no, it's, not really. you know yeah. Yeah. and you know, Sweden everyone's like wearing parkas and ski gear and, uh, so smelling of wood smoke so we did not <laughs> deliver the glamour and I remember you know, and then you go to Portugal, you yeah. But yeah. The, the, really, this was get t we'd only done two rallies, and the, already they're getting a little bit edgy. Wow. Well, this McLean's not delivering the glamour, so, so they're blaming you for the lack of glamour. Yeah, and so right, Reinhard said, Listen, you know, he's quite a pragmatic bloke. He said, Listen, you know, if you want rally, if you want glamour, come with us, come in the car, and every time you see some glamour. You know, nudge us, point it out, and we'll take a picture of it. Yeah. Not, not a problem. Come with us. Yeah. So the editor, Andrew Golby, came to Rally Portugal in search of glamour. So that, that's a little bit of the background. <laughs> and uh, to be honest with you, it, it started quite well because uh, going back to the uh, back in the day, uh, all the teams, seven teams, but they didn't all start the season with a brand new car. So some might introduce a car a little bit later. So this was round three in Hyundai launched their Accent WRC2 uh, on the eve of the rally in Porto. But uh, Hyundai then is an unrecognizable organization to the Hyundai yeah. you know MS today. MSD. MSD and Milton Keynes, yeah. correct. And uh, they launched their new car in a port wine factory with all the journalists. Now you, now you know these journalists. <laughs> what a what a potential mistake. But uh, they but there was glamour there. They had yeah, these uh, dancers and they really did put on a good show and everyone left with a bottle of port wine and inside and out. <laughs> so yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. I remember leaving this uh, launch uh, to go to dinner actually and the water was just bucketing down. And uh, I don't know how well you know Porto but the Duaro River flows into the sea yeah. at the river mouth there. And one side of the river 
is the port wine houses. And on the other side of the river, you've got all the fancy tourist restaurants. That's right. Yeah. And we crossed the bridge onto the, into a tourist restaurant. Down, we went to a, a restaurant under street level, down some steps. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Not a great idea when it's flooding. When the water <laughs> came running down <laughs> the concrete steps into the restaurant, you know you've probably chosen the wrong, <laughs> the wrong venue. So that was kind of the start of it. And then that, the first day of that year's rally was the FAF stages right and ryan was so pleased with himself because he uh, the first year ever he'd rented a, he, he really pushed the boat out here he rented a four by four smallest one he could find but yep he had a four by four and he said this year you know i'm gonna drive over the fields <laughs> which you could because yeah. there's two there's two locations on the faf stage near the end and about they're about two and a half k's apart one's a famous junction with split in the tarmac the yes. cars come downhill yes, with turn a big left column on the crazy exactly. on it now. yeah, yeah so they left and then right and back up the hill exactly and that, yeah. that literally has yeah i don't know how many people would go oh, there Ten thousand or more more more, than more that. really more than that and then two two and a half k's down the road you've got the big jump so the idea was you know he could drop one of us off and then drive down over the fields which he'd seen <laughs> up the side of the hill oh yeah yeah maybe mountain but hill because yeah. it was doable on a motocross bike <laughs> yeah. or an enduro bike so yeah. it must be doable in a car so he's got the rally xs editor in the car with him and he takes to the hills <laughs> only to and when we were up to the wheel hubs in mud spinning oh wheels it was time to get out in search of glamour <laughs> in search of glamour the only glamour was a guy came up to us with a tow rope i think what on earth does he want it was foggy you couldn't see much so this guy with a tow rope came wanting us to tow, to tow him <laughs> and we're stuck as stuck as you could possibly imagine so luckily andrew golby the editor he really enjoyed this he thought this was fantastic adventure yeah he's you know so he really did see rallying then and yeah. uh, but it, it was an amazing event because the first two rounds uh champ world champion was Gronom at the time mm -hmm. so defending champion Gronom, richard burns colin mccray and this was a british magazine rally excess mm -hmm. it was a big story burns mccray you know, as it would pan out that year when they had a showdown at the end for the championship but they had zero points after two rounds wow. and that became three for mccray uh, early on as well and uh, well, he was an early retirement and I think they the road position was back to pretty much back then was pretty much what it is today you ran in championship order at the start and uh, in those conditions you at didn't at the back you, of the field oh, you were in terrible mess yeah which yeah. was Scrum and Burns wasn't it so, so was, was it you know uh, what I love about rallying is that you know it is unpredictable we do get variety and, and, and the variety we get the you know, from the, the the places we go to to the the weather that we yeah. experience when we go to these places. So you know, every kind of extreme offers an opportunity for you. Yeah, absolutely. But, but were there were there good pictures to be taken that way? I, Colin, I say this a lot that the worse the conditions, the better the pictures, yeah. and it's so often true. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. got to go with it. And I mean, back then, I think I was still shooting color slide film. And it, guys today wouldn't understand what that meant to say you're limited to 100, maybe 200 ESO. Right, okay. You know, and and how many pictures a weekend as well? Well, that's another thing. You, you know, know, roll of film, 36 exposures. Say if you took 20 rolls, that's uh, 720 20, pictures, isn't right. it? On yeah, some people take 100 pictures of one car. You know, uh, they, you know, you know five or six seconds. Think about that for a second, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I say if I shot 
20, or, and then Reinhard would have shot 20, Bob would have shot everything on digital. I, I took a digital camera as well and did a bit of both, but uh, wow. it's a different time. Different you know, you time. had to make sure, film was expensive. You know, the colour slide film we were using, once you'd processed it, it easily £10 a roll for oh, 15 euros or whatever. You know, you do the maths. It's yes, adds up. Over well, course yeah. of the season, adds up to a lot of money. You do the maths because I can't. Yeah, I could do the maths for you. How many? <laughs> well, say, let's do it. it's a hun so 10 rolls would have been, say, 150 euros. So 300 euros. You've got Reinhardt as well. Oh. So we're 600 euros before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before there's anything else to pay for. Call it, uh, fascinating stuff, I have to say. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to sit socially distanced mm. with you this morning. This is the most social I've been in nine weeks. Same with me. It's been, it's been you know, because we are now allowed to move, which is great. Yeah. And we're allowed to meet one other person from outside your household in a public place. And we're in a public place. Uh, so we're doing everything by the rules. But it's just such, it's, it's, it's just a joy. Mm. It's a joy to actually sit and chat, rallying face to face. We've all been listening, as you say, to, to some great podcasts. We've been... Am I now a podcaster? You, you are now. I'm a, well, no, I think a podcaster, you're not making a podcast yet, which ah, is something okay. maybe you want to think about because, yeah. as we know, there's still a massive interest. Oh, go on, let me be a podcaster. Then I can say yeah, I was a, a homeschooler. In a podcast, uh, I, I don't know what you are. What I'm you not are. a photographer at the moment, so I'm a whole homeschooler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's reluctant gardener. Yeah. Not, I don't really like the garden. Oh, do I? No, I like to enjoy a good garden, <laughs> but I don't like to actually create one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, difficult times. Uh, Cole, uh, fantastic talking to you. I, I do really genuinely believe there's an awful lot more that we've still to talk about, and we will we will revisit. Hmm. We'll revisit because really we just talked up to the formation of the uh, the McLean agency, and I think we need to talk about you know those those years, those great years, those great pictures, and we need to talk about your relationship with Richard, obviously as well. Um, but we'll save that for another day because for now, Colin McMaster, the legendary Colin McMaster, thank you very much indeed for joining us this week on Spin the Rally Pod. You are and always will be a legend, Well, Colin, I loved your intro. And I <laughs> prefer, prefer your finish, the finale. <laughs> a grand finale. Thank you very much. Cole, thank you very much indeed.